Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. And today we're going to talk about the politics of sustainability, or you can't fix that system because it works exactly as designed. Now, now, Annie, all right, I'm going to warn people right off the bat. You're going to rant. You're going to rant on this one. She's already given me that I am the ranting. picture of calm and decorum. Okay, that's good because um, she's loaded for bear on this. So, so let's I'm look. not loaded for anything. Here's uh-huh. the deal is that in my life, probably more than 30 years ago, probably about 35 years ago, I came to many realizations And people thought I was crazy when I would say some of the things that I really believed. And one of them is that the system isn't broken. It works exactly as it's designed. And what ended up happening is that today's news is exactly the kinds of things that I've been talking about for more than three decades. So sometimes I feel pretty passionate about it, but mostly I just feel sad. Well, one of the the advantages, um, I feel, of our lifestyle is it does allow us to sit on the outside sort of peering in like we're watching some crazy show and and feeling somewhat apart from it. And, and I find that very comforting because the show can get pretty crazy at times. And um, so when we're looking at these existing systems, I think in order to be sustainable, maybe the first step is to identify the systems for what they are and then begin to step away from them. And and that's easier said than done. I think a lot of the people who come visiting Blue Rock Station, and we've had about 35,000 visitors or so over the years, clearly are looking for something different than what they're experiencing in their day-to-day lives. Um, so how do you transition from where you are to where you may want to be? Well, first of all, I think that that whole attitude, and I confess I'm guilty of it, is very elitist. Thank God. <laughs> because I, I, I always will admit to being an elite. Yes. Okay. Well, I don't want to really be an elitist, but the reality is in order to survive this culture, I think we have to find a way to remove ourselves because being in this system, living every day in the system, the culture that we live in, and we don't live every day in that that culture in our personal lives, it changes us. We have to change in order to exist um, the way things are. And whether it's going to the doctor or buying groceries or, or the food you put in your belly if you didn't grow it or it's not from the local farmer, um, all of these things change us if we continue to say we have no plan of how to exempt ourselves from a majority of the culture or maybe lots more than the majority. And and it really comes down to what works for me as a person. So it doesn't work for me, Annie Warmke, to be in this culture for very much, uh, for very long of a period of time, because I don't really relate to it anymore. And I find it um, disappointing. And I feel... Um, that I, I always say I'm a Martian just visiting, waiting to go home. And that's how it feels when I go a lot of times to the store to buy something because I don't go often enough. Um, and so I can see changes. I can see that there's less food in packaging that's still the same size as it was. I can hear what people 
are saying about life in general and have time to process that information. And so then I can go back home where it feels safe and uh, and of course I know it's not completely safe, but it's safer than if I was going to work for somebody nine to five every day and eating my lunch with those same people every day and being subjected to the messages that the media presents, which is not really the media like news, it's the media like um, all of the commercials. Like we've been yeah. watching a. It's the background noise, it's sort of the soundtrack to our culture. This background noise, we always sort of put out this big bad media thing like there is a collective consciousness that's directing it, but it really is just background noise that influences all of our decisions, all of our our thoughts. Do you, do you feel like people, you know, we're looking at this from the outside saying, okay, I see this weird system that I don't feel a part of and and feel disconnected and separate from. But do you feel like the people who are immersed within that system have that same feeling, you know, that, that they're in the middle of something that they can't quite get a hold of either? I think there are people that do have that that sense, that uneasiness, but I think for the most part, no, because they're People too, just go and move through the motions? To, well, and they're trying to get through the day when they say, oh, we have such a, a robust economy, but we don't. And so people have to work two jobs. Lots of people are trying to take care of their kids. They're trying to figure out how to pay off student loan debt. You know, but none of this is new. And that's the thing that's been hitting me uh, recently because you brought home a video of um, Gracie Allen and George Burns' comedy sh- TV show. <laughs> comedy is a very loose yeah, well, term. It, it, it really isn't. <laughs> it isn't funny. But what is very interesting to watch is that this show was produced in the mid 1950s or even early 1950s. And it is a constant barrage of selling. They're selling Carnation Milk because Carnation Milk is their sponsor. And they're saying the most uh, objective, uh, not objective, uh, objectionable. Objectionable. <laughs> I object, Your Honor. Carnation instant milk does evaporated milk does yes. not make strong babies. No, uh, it does know, not. Feeding and feeding some weird milk product with sugar is no. not exactly a healthy option. And how much better your babies are going to be if they drink this milk and all this stuff? And mm. um, and I was just thinking, you know, so that's sixty some years where television has been one giant commercial. And we don't even seem to recognize that. Well, we're talking about this, the politics of sustainability very loosely. But I think we should tie in directly to political parties per se because um, you and I have this discussion quite a lot where where heads is the Democratic Party and tails is the Republican no, Party. Because it's the same But coin. they're both really, 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 really focused on supporting a corporate agenda, um, you know, whether it's – promoting carnation to evaporated milk. It, it, it only makes sense to me when I look at political decisions if you lay over it a template of what is best for the corporate interests, not is this a liberal agenda or is this a conservative agenda because people seem – they seem to be hypocritical in many cases, but they're really fairly consistent if you put the corporation in there as the one pulling the strings. Right. And, and so that is an issue that sort of, I guess, looking on the outside just says, well, why is that? I mean, obviously, it all comes down to money. But, but I guess we're asking rhetorical questions here. Why is our government 
responsive only to corporate interests. Well, An- another rhetorical question. I'll go on my rant. I'm saying that you're going to rant, but I'll be the one probably granting. But then, but I also think when there is a conflict between people and corporations, why is it that the police are always on the side of the corporation? Okay, aren't but, but they wait, wait. people? All right, I just to back up just for a minute because the reality is that we have to we have to identify what is the existing process that we live under and one of the things is that corporations have been given the same rights as human beings. No, I think they've been given superior rights to okay, human well, beings. Okay, well that may well be because, because they have the rights but they have no accountability. You never see General Motors thrown in prison. You know, um, there there is no accountability no. for corporate misbehavior where there is accountability for individual misbehavior. Right. Well, accountability is kind of a loose word there. But if we look at statistics, if we're saying how do we recognize that we need a different process, um, if we look at the percentage of people that support the legalization of marijuana, the, the percentage of people that support that women should have total control over their health decisions, including the right to access to abortion. If we look at how people feel about um, the things like the Catholic Church and the that's gone on with all of the abuse, the sexual abuse of children, this the people in this country f- overall are supporting agendas that say no more. We will support these issues because we want to have a healthier, better country to live in. Yet the corporations do not support these agendas. And it really isn't about being Democrat or Republican. Honestly, it's just the Democrats seem to have a few more manners than the Republicans. So the process— I don't know about no, that. No, no, no. They, they, uh, can, they can seem I, like they're I think, nicer. I think both parties are equally irritating. Well, but. that's a whole other issue. But here, here's the thing is— We, as a country and a culture, are seeking in this process that we think we that we're living in versus the one we need is that we're seeking safety instead of freedom. You know, we like to say this country was formed as a as a a rebellion, an act of saying we want to be free. We want the right to worship how we believe we want the right to be political. We want the right to have access to whatever. And. But what we have done is to go after safety. You know, we have a big fear factor in this country. So if we say, look, what is it we really want out of our lives? And that is what sustainability's biggest question is. What is it you really want out of your lives? And you look at the statistics, a huge portion of people say, I want more time to do leisurely things. I want more time with my family. I want more time to have a say over how I spend my money versus the fact that I've got student debt. I want more say over how I have a career versus that I have to either go to college or have nothing. Um, this is this is where I think we are. Okay, so we're if we back up <laughs> a little bit away from our rants and uh, say, I'm "All not right, ranting." Uh, no, I'm you going to. Ranting. I was ranting. All right, um, so I'm happy to rant. Anyway, the um, we I think most people, if they're thinking, will accept <laughs> that the system as it exists, the political system is broken. Um, many of our structural systems in this nation, our food system, our infrastructure, 
our energy systems, all of the major systems, educational systems, the media, all of these are are broken in some way or another, maybe fundamentally flawed, yet and and we can become very partisan around that. Or but the things that you're pointing out that everybody tends to really focus on when asked, when push comes to shove, is how can I deal how can I spend more time with my family? How can I feel more contented with my life? How can I feel better physically, spiritually, emotionally? These get into the fundamental politics of sustainability. And it is not a left or a right or a Democrat or a Republican or a Green or a Libertarian issue. It is a human issue. And and I guess it always brings up the question of why are these issues that are human issues so politicized? But we're, but these are the, – the problem is that we are consumers, not humans. And so the issues that relate to being consumers are the only ones that matter – and that is where the problem lies. And if we're always looking at our phone and we're always working in order to make a living so that we can buy stuff or pay off student debt um, or trying to keep up with the Joneses or make sure our kids are doing 82 things all at the same time, we are not ever going to come to the realization that life is much more than being a consumer. Okay. Well, we're going to solve all of our nation's problems here in the next few minutes. But first, I wanted to remind you that you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you that it truly, really, truly, honest to goodness, is the end of the world as we know it. And thank God. Thank God. Okay, the world as we know it, as we've been describing it, seems a pretty bleak place. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I think we're... Annie was just pointing out how we have labeled ourselves and are labeled as consumers, not human beings. Your value to the greater society is based on what you consume, not inherent in who you are. Um, That feels to me to be a flawed premise. So – if it feels to me that way, it well, probably feels— Well, it's not feels... sustainable. I mean, that's the thing of it. It's just not sustainable. Well, either way, I don't like it. So if I choose to step away from it, what are my options? You know, what are, what are, what are my options? Uh, I know what we've made the decision to do, step off and say, all right, can we as much as practical live in a non-monetary, non-consumptive way? Um, that may or may not be practical for all people. Well, I don't think we I don't think we've achieved that by any means, but no. I think we have to work towards it. Um, but I think it all comes back to what we've been talking about in every one of our podcasts, and that is first of all, you have to identify what is it you really want. When when we have tours, which is once a month during warm months, and we have 25 people that sit in the house with us, and I ask the question, where do you want to be in five years? It is a rare thing that a majority of people, sometimes nobody even knows the answer to that, but it's a rare thing that a majority of the people sitting there with me know the answer to where they want to be in five years, or they're very laissez-faire about it. Well, I'd like to. They're not saying, like when you say, where do you want to be, Annie? I have a definitive answer, and everything on my plate is working towards that, everything I'm doing. 
it may be very small steps. It may be giant steps. Uh, in the beginning, to be where I am, I had to give up everything. So for me, and this is not ranting, this is preaching, that if you want to have a better life, if you want to follow the path of sustainability and really work at it, you have to be willing to step away from most all of the things that this culture supports because you are so much more than a consumer. Yeah, we have to consume some things, but the reality is mostly we have to be true to ourselves if we want to get through this life in a healthy, happy way. And and I said this before, but safety is an illusion. Nobody's coming to help me when there's a problem because guess what? When there's a problem, I've stopped being a consumer and I'm sucking at the public teat and nobody in the government likes that. In fact, they're doing everything they can to dismantle every piece of that. So what we're seeing happening right now are people standing up, but they're standing up in a way that doesn't really change very much at least immediately, and that's because it's no longer okay to just write a letter and complain or sign a petition or even show up because they'll have you arrested. We have to use money. That is our vote. So how do we use money? Well, one thing is we stop buying from companies that don't support what we believe personally. So for me, that includes uh, Hobby Lobby. I do not shop at Hobby Lobby because they don't support a woman's right to have a say over her own health. Okay, I think we're about to have a corporate perp walk here. Okay, I don't care. (laughs) I'm just giving an example. I can give Uh lots of examples. And Kroger for their open carry and and Walmart because they're just evil. um, Okay, well, mm -hmm. but here's the reality. But then I don't have to stay focused on that. I just need to be clear that what my plan in life is to support the people who support me. Mm-hmm. and support those things I care about. And that uh, it, it tends to be my local farmer, uh, the produce auction, other people um, that I work with and I play uh, with, that I do fun things with. These are people, it is not an isolationism, which it sort of sounds like it is, because always new people are coming and we're trying to focus on What do we have in common with those people so we can move an agenda that says the only power, the only safety we have is to support local action and local care? And I'll tell you, we went to see the film Fahrenheit 11.9, and I'll try not to get myself crying because when I watched over and over groups of people with lots of energy putting out all this energy about petitions and believing that if you just knew my children, like in Flint, Michigan, are going to die because they've been poisoned by lead and it's not reversible. And they nobody steps up to the plate. So then President Obama comes in 2016, and it all is so horrible to watch because they just think if this one guy just shows up, he's going to do the right Right. thing. Well, they're waiting for someone to come rescue. Yeah, and so So. that's what it all comes back to. Well, it always comes down to what can we do? You know, that comes down to, okay, we've recognized there are problems. We recognize that the system is broken, fundamentally flawed. What can we do? Well, what you're raising here is that every dollar you spend is a vote, So use that power, use that vote to support those people whom you support and not to support those people 
whom you do not support. Well, I think we also have to do other things. We have to be willing to barter with each other because we all have knowledge and services and things that other people need. We also need skill sharing. And these are all things that our ancestors knew how to do very, very well. And we need to move away from the whole thing of monetary where everything is going to a bank. Um, I just heard uh, I had a visitor this week who was talking about a talk that was given, like a TED Talk or something, talking about in communities where there is a food desert, meaning there's no grocery store, that there's so much money being passed around under the table that never ends up in a system like a banking system, that the dollars, you can tell the dollars from this system in this community because they're thin and shiny. And it's almost like that's where we need to be. We need to hunker down and stop participating in the bigger economy at any turn we can take because that is going to make a difference. If we all said today we are not going to ever buy in the next 24 hours something from a certain store or a certain gas station or McDonald's or whatever, we could bring them to their knees but we don't recognize we have that power. So we have to stop giving away our power. And part of the way we do that is by being consumers and playing the game that our culture wants. Mm -hmm. So is this, in fact, a sustainability issue, a human rights issue, an economic issue, all of the above? I mean, Well, it all, all of those things support sustainability. Or Mm -hmm. go against sustainability. Well, and sustainability at its core is this practice can continue indefinitely without any effect um, on on some level of diminishing of the resources (laughs) it takes to support it. So, So is our current system sustainable? I would say resoundingly no. It, it, It cannot be. Uh, a system that is dependent upon ever-increasing consumption of things uh, and a concentration of wealth in smaller and smaller groups of people, concentration of power in smaller and smaller groups of people. We see all of this happening like frogs in a bowl, you know, in in the pot with the water just sort of slowly boiling. Um, It cannot go on in perpetuity. So how do we we step away from it? How do we jump out of the pot and say – All right, let's try something different. And and how do we make those changes? If I believe that living sustainably is that I'm trying not to take anything away from the future, that just shoots consumption in the foot. So what I think we have to do is say living sustainably is a template that you lay over everything you do, whether it's your spiritual practices, your transportation, where you shop, what you buy, what you eat, where you get your health care. All of those things, it's not just sustainability being this one lump. It is a template that gives us a guide of how we live. And so maybe what we have to do is start with one thing in our life that makes sense. So maybe we stop going to the Lutheran church and we practice paganism. I don't know. Or maybe we go uh, every Sunday and we say we're going to set aside an hour and do yoga. This is going to be our spiritual practice. So we stop or just being sheep. play with your kids. Okay, it doesn't matter, but you're just mm-hmm. saying, look, I'm not going to do I, I what I'm I was trying to get told. away from the whole New Age thing of uh, yuga and tofu. 
So I didn't mention tofu. <laughs> but the point being that we have many ways we can be spiritual. And it doesn't have to be that we do what our parents told us, and that is if we don't go to church, we're going to go to hell. Okay, so maybe we are and maybe we aren't. But if we want to live sustainably, we've got to do – we've got to use that time to nurture and take care of ourselves. Well, I think one of the frustrations I have, you know, as society as a, as a whole is I do get the feeling that most people know that the system is broken, but they don't believe that the system is broken. I think that's true. They, in their heart of hearts, still think that – Somebody will rescue it, that that they can benefit from these things that they see aren't working. You know, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have the big house. I'm going to whatever it is I get to travel around the world. They, they, they know that's a broken system, but they don't believe that's a broken system. So, so it seems to me that's the first thing because it does require sacrifice of those beliefs. You have to kind of – I always like to tease you saying that you you like um, ruined all of my illusions. <laughs> you know, you came along and and I believed these things to be true and there's a comfort. There's the comfort of a child believing that, you know, Santa Claus will bring you presents and the Easter Bunny will and the Tooth Fairy and all of these illusions. There's a comfort there and when you when you lose those illusions – it can be a little bit scary. You well, know. I think you had gotten beyond that, really, well, I when know. I first Easter knew Bunny. you. He's a pretty, pretty But I think character. it was more like believing in law enforcement and that the government was going to show up. <laughs> but I think also what you're talking about is moving from a place of hopelessness and just grasping at any straw to finding hope within yourself of saying, look, if I live in a neighborhood that has a lot of boarded up houses, nobody cares. So what can you do? in those neighborhoods that could change things. Well, first you could organize people and people who feel hopeless want to feel hope. They really do. And this is where the problem comes when these officials show up and say, we're going to take care of you. And then they let your children drink lead water. Uh, You know, they're saying we're giving you hope. And that's all people are asking for. Because honestly, most people are just getting through the day. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, it just reminded me of a fellow I knew down in Mexico City. And, and of course, they were in a situation where there's a constant threat of being robbed. And, and he was saying that he was going to invest in education and travel because no one can take that away from you. Once you've had the experiences and the knowledge, you can be robbed, but those things remain with you. So maybe, once again, it's an internal you have to change the internal landscape before you can tackle the external landscape. You know, the bigger society in general, you have to fix yourself, you know, fix your own expectations, fix your own desires, fix your own wants and needs before you can start worrying about the rest of society. It's that old Gandhi thing of be the change you want to see in the world. You know, I think that's where it all comes down to. Well, if we don't start there, we have no base, nothing to stand on. And again, if we just break it down into small increments and s- sections of our lives and say, how do, we, how do we influence this one thing or this other thing or these three things? And then start from there, and then things come unraveled. Mm-hmm. But that's how it has to begin. So sustainability is an internal struggle, 
and let the chips fall where they may. Well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Thanks a lot for listening to our rants and spending just a little time with us. I didn't rant today. You're the ranter. I I think I did a little bit. And as your grandmother probably told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others. Clean up your own mess. And Jay, please eat the vegetables. Uh, Till next time. And her children will be here.